Uh, welcome to Liberty Church. Today uh, we're going to continue uh, our series entitled Family Matters and I hope that uh, uh, you had an opportunity to, uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, to listen to last week's message. Uh, but we're going to jump right into Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 and 28. The Bible says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And Ephesians 2.19 says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people, and you are members of God's family. Can I get an amen from somebody today? Look at that first point. We said the foundation stone of all society is the family. That before there was a community, a school, or a government, God created the family. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we also have a spiritual family, right? We call it our forever family. What a blessing that is to be a part of that. But we recognized something last week. We recognized that through the natural family and through the spiritual family, God has laid a foundation stone. That literally the family is the foundation stone of society that literally shapes the world. And we, we kind of identified a couple thoughts last week, some simple truths. We said that if you want to change or alter the society, you have to change or alter the family. And unfortunately, we have seen our society be altered in a way that is probably not good. Can I get an amen from somebody? And we recognize today that there is a demonic assault against the family because Satan has recognized what I think we failed to recognize. Satan has recognized the, significant of the significance of the family, and he has attacked the family environment, the family unit, and came against anything that honors or resembles the glory of God. And so we have to recognize something today. We have to recognize that no matter who you are and no matter what your family looks like, your family matters. Right? Your family matters. We have all kind of blended families, all kind of mixed families, all kind of unique families right now in our world today. But the realization is simply this. Your family matters. And your family becomes the foundation stone upon which our entire society will be built and which it will flourish or else which it will increase or decrease in its ability to do what God has called us to do. Look at that next point. We said that in our families we discover our identity. We talked about this last Sunday. We said the most influential voice in the life of a child is its family, not just the parents, but the grandparents, the siblings, the aunts, the uncles, that everybody's voice literally becomes a chisel that shapes the identity of a child. We recognize that before a child ever goes to kindergarten, before they ever have peers, before they ever step into the public arena, they have already had their identity shaped by the words and actions and decisions and deeds of their family. They know if they're loved. They know if they're important, they know if they're worthy, they know if they're valuable, they know if their life has meaning or purpose. They already know who they are before they're five years old, before they ever walk into a classroom, before they ever have peers or really ever influenced by the outside world. Why? Because our families shape us. They shape our identity. And we said that your identity becomes the well from which you draw out your self-worth, your self-esteem, your self-value, and really is the well in which you begin to live your life. Now look at this next point because this is where we're going to go today and kind of hang out uh, for the rest of the message this morning. So in our families, not only do we discover our identities, but in our families we define our values. Our identity determines how we treat ourselves, how we view ourselves, what we believe 
about ourselves, but our values determine how we treat the world, how we view the world, what we believe about the world and about everybody else that is in the world. This is not on your outline, but if you're a note taker, let me give you this. Our families define our values, our values define what we believe, and our belief system defines everything. Our values, our families define our values, our values define our beliefs, and our belief system defines and literally shapes everything. What you believe about life, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about this world is what will shape and determine how you will interact in the world that we're living in. And unfortunately, we have a world that has been shaped by values and beliefs that no longer honor God. And we all know this to be true today, especially as believers in Jesus Christ, that when you remove God from the equation of a society, when you move God, remove God from the equation of a family, you create a world that is self-destructive and devastating. But here's the good news of the gospel. Your family matters. Your family matters. You have the potential, I want you to hear this, to be a cultural engineer. You have the potential as a mom and a dad, as a brother, as a sister, as a husband, as a wife, as a child or a grandchild. Every member of the family has the opportunity to be a cultural engineer that shapes the society in which we live and the values by which we base our lives and build our culture that we live in. You matter. And my prayer for this entire series is that you walk out of this message every Sunday not only challenged but I hope you walk out of here encouraged to realize that your life, your family matters. I meet people every now and then that will say something to me like this. Pastor Keith, I'm not sure if I want to have kids in the world we live in. Our world is so crazy. Our world is so upside down. There's so much perversion. There's so much sin. There's so much evil. There's so much hate. I don't know if I want to bring a child into this world. And I want to encourage you in something today. You, don't, you, you, you have to live in the world, but you don't have to be of the world. Can I get an amen? Right? You have an opportunity through your family to be a cultural engineer that can create a family that will shape the society that we're living in. How many of you know we don't need less godly people? We need more godly people. We don't need less people with values. We need more people with values. We don't need less people with a conscience and a faith in a holy God. We need more people with a conscience and a faith in a holy God so that we can shape a culture and a society for the glory of God. Don't allow the negativity and the sin of a culture to keep you from becoming a cultural engineer that shapes the world by shaping your family. So today we're going to talk about our values and the belief systems that come out of them. Psalms 11 verse 3 says this. It says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you've ever built a house, you know that foundations are not, are not beautiful things. We don't post pictures all over social media of our foundation. But if you know anything about a house, you know that the foundation is the thing that supports and sustains all the beautiful things that you see. Everything that you see and celebrate about your home is only there because there is a foundation that sustains it. And the psalmist asks a question, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Let me tell you what we can do. We can reestablish the foundation stones of truth and the Word of God in our families. 
in our families. I may not have a big voice in Washington, but I have a big voice in my home. Come on, somebody. I may not be able to change the political landscape by one decision that I make, but I can change the spiritual landscape of my family by one simple decision in my home, in my family. I can literally shift the culture of society by shifting the culture of my family. And I think what happens many times is we look at the big picture and we look at the big problems and we look at the astronomical challenges that are facing us and we feel like we are powerless to create any change. But here's the good news of the gospel. The foundation stone of that society that you see that is so bent out of shape is built on the foundation of families. And if you and I will recognize we are the cultural engineers of our families, that we can reestablish the foundation stones of value that honor God, and therefore we can change a society by transforming a family for the glory of God. And I don't know about you, that excites me. It excites me to know that my everyday life matters, that my everyday decisions matter, and that I get to be a cultural engineer shaping the world by simply shaping my family. So let's talk about those values today. Look at that next point on your outline. So family matters because our values literally become the foundation stones upon which we build our lives and we build our society. Look at that next point. In our natural families, in our natural families, we either learn to value or devalue so many things in our lives. In our natural families, we learn to value or devalue. And what I've done is I've made a list of some things. This is not an all-inclusive list. We could just be here all day talking about all the values and the beliefs that we shape as a family. But I want to give you a few today that I really felt like the Holy Spirit just quickened in my heart. Because in our natural families, we learn to value or devalue. We build a belief system in our natural home that defines what we believe and ultimately how we live our lives. Think about God in church. Think about that for just a second. Whether you grew up in a Christian home or whether you grew up in an atheistic home, it was in your natural family that you first got your view and your belief about God. You learned that God was either good or God was evil. God was for us or God was against us. God was a wonderful father or an angry old man with lightning bolts in heaven who wanted to strike you down. I mean, when I listen to most people talk about God, unfortunately, even in the church, most people's view and value of God is that he's bipolar. You don't ever know if he's for you or against you, right? I wonder what side of the bed God's going to get up on today. See, because it is in your natural family that you have first established our families define our values. It defines the belief system that we have. And every one of us grew up in a family. No matter what that family looked like, good, bad, or ugly, you grew up in a family that helped shape your belief and your values about God and about the local church. You grew up loving it or hating it. You grew up embracing God or rejecting God. And all of that very much was the result of the environment that you were raised in. You were given a set of values and beliefs based on the family environment that you grew up in. And here's what I know to be true for every one of you that are here today in church and those of you that are watching church online today. The fact that you're in church today means two things either happen. Number one, either you grew up in a family that valued God in the church 
And you're here today because your family values encouraged you to move in this direction. Many of you may be in that boat today. Maybe you're here today because you grew up in a home, a natural family, that valued God and valued the house of God, and therefore you're here today because those values became a rudder in your soul that pushed you toward the local church and knowing God in a personal way. But this is what I also know to be true. Many of you that are here today are not here because your family values encouraged you to be here. Many of you are here today and you had to overcome the obstacle of your family values. You had to climb over the values that were established in your life. Values that God's not real. Values that God is not good. Values that says the church is out to get you. Values that says all the church wants is your money. And all of a sudden you had to literally climb over those values and beliefs that were passed on to you in your natural family just so you could get where you are today. And we know that's true. Everyone in this room here today comes from one of those two camps. Your family values encouraged you to be here, or your family values were an obstacle that you had to overcome to get here. That's the truth. And you know what? That should encourage us. You know why it should encourage us? It should encourage us because it shows the reality of what you're doing in your family now. Your family values that you're passing on to your family members have the potential that they can become a vehicle that encourages people or else they become an obstacle that people have to climb over in order to get to what God has for them. But here's the thing you have to understand. Your beliefs are never neutral. See, it's not enough in the family what you say and it's not enough in a family just to monitor what you do. Actually, what you believe matters. Because those beliefs, those values are transferred into your entire family unit. And they're powerful. So in our natural families, we, we get a value or a belief about God in the church. In our natural families, we get a value or belief about family. Let me just tell you, in our family, family is important. <laughs> In our families, we raised our kids that family matters. Family dinners matter, right? We're going to eat dinner together. We're going to put the cell phone down, and we're going to talk, and, and we're, going to, we're going to get together. We're going to celebrate birthdays. I mean, if you're a Hodges, man, you have a great birthday. I'm just telling you. Kelly loves birthdays. We celebrate birthdays. I mean, it's a big deal around our house. And we value family. We value holidays. We value getting together. We value talking together. We value communicating together. We got a little family group text, right? And yesterday, we got to babysit Xander. He spent the night with us Friday night. So, I mean, we're official grandparents now. So, I mean, he's actually <laughs> stayed the night at our house. And uh, we survived. Praise the Lord. We were a little nervous. But praise God, it all came back to us. But you know, we got these little group family and we're, we're blowing it up with pictures and videos and look what we're doing and Xander's doing this and he's checking the mail and all this little fun stuff. You know why? Because family matters. And our kids who are now grown and having their own kids, having their own families, they still enjoy coming home and spending time with us. Why? Because family matters. We value family. We value, we support one another, we encourage one another. We value Sam family so much that when we heatedly and passionately disagree, we say, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? We value family over our own opinions. We value family over our own agendas. We value family over the petty things in our own hearts that want to divide us and separate us. 
And for us, family matters. Family is important. There's a belief that family is significant. Now, we understand. I realize not everybody grew up in that home. If you grew up in a family where every time we fought, we, we walked away and we cut people off and we shut the door and we never opened it again and you're dead to me and I'm never going to talk to you again and there was no reconciliation, there was no forgiveness and there was no celebration and there was no family dinner and there was no family time and there was no family. It was just what you did, the people you live with and you got out as fast as you could get out. Understand something. That is the value that was passed on to you but the fact that you're here today the fact that you've got a heart for God says I want to I want to overcome some things let's just be honest I'm gonna share some things today I had to overcome I had some family values passed on to me that were not good not godly they weren't wicked and sinful but they weren't helpful either <laughs> and everybody has them so don't feel condemned or feel bad because maybe your family life wasn't what you wanted it to be here's the good news you get to create a culture in your family if you grew up in a family that didn't value family, then start valuing family. Start fighting for relationships. Start recognizing that it's worth fighting for. One gentleman made this statement. He said, in every life-giving relationship, there is conflict. And he said, on the other side of conflict, he said, there's restoration and forgiveness he said but before you get to restoration and forgiveness you got to be willing to go through the tunnel of chaos <laughs> I thought that's a beautiful picture there's conflict and then there's this tunnel of chaos where we got to work through our emotions and we got to work through our feelings and we got to say family matters and it matters so much I'm gonna fight for the restoration that's on the other side of that tunnel of chaos that actually started with conflict because let me just tell you something Every family has conflict, every family has chaos, and every family can have restoration and restitution through the power of God. Amen? So it's in our families that we, we define and establish those values. We, we think about people, and I put born and unborn. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Think about the way you value, what you believe about people, and the value you place on people you learned in your family. Now, you guys have heard me share the story, but it so impacted my life. I, I was about 12 or 13 years old, and I'll never forget, I went with my, my dad, Papa Larry, we call him now, he's graduated, Papa, Papa Larry. I went with Papa Larry, and we were, went down the road about a mile or so to one of our neighbors, and the guy was a brick mason, and they were what you would consider really poor. They lived in what we would call a shack. And my dad pulled in his yard and went in the house to talk to this gentleman about getting some brick laid at our house. And, and Daddy said, you want to go in the house? I said, oh, no, I'll stay out here. Daddy went in the house, and I remember sliding down in the seat because I didn't want anybody to drive by and see me at these people's house because, you know, they were poor. We weren't much ahead of them, but they were really poor. And I was worried about my reputation. How many know when you're 12, 13 years old, you really don't have a reputation? Come on, somebody. You think you got one, you don't have one. I was worried about mine. And when my daddy came out, he saw me slid down in the seat, and he knew exactly what I was doing. And he chewed me up one side, and he chewed me down the other side, and I got the best tongue lashing I have ever had in my entire life. I mean, I've been beat with a belt pretty bad. That was worse. And I walked away from that conversation recognizing something. I began to recognize every person has value. Rich or poor, black or white, red or yellow, male or female, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, every person has value and every person deserves to be treated with respect I look on my life now I am so thankful for that value I'm so thankful that I don't see rich or poor or black and white I'm so thankful that when I look at people I see people <laughs> because God 
through my natural family, established some values and a belief system in me. When you think about born and unborn, the, the issue of abortion, the issue of pro-life or pro-choice, you know what? That doesn't happen when you're, when, you're, when you're five years old. You don't have this conversation with your kindergartner and say, hey, let me tell you about abortion and we're going to talk about killing babies. No, that doesn't happen when, when a child's five years old. But you know what does happen? A child grows up in a home where they see life valued or they see life devalued. And they come to an assumption. Maybe there's a conversation. Maybe there's never a conversation. But all of a sudden, there are these beliefs and these values that are passed on to our children and our children's children that just revolve around what do we believe about the sanctity of life? What do we believe about unborn babies and elderly people that may not seem as profitable as they used to be? Does everybody deserve life? Is life a gift from God or is it a choice that we get to make? See, those are the values that are passed on to us from our natural families. And then there's love, there's respect, there's relationships. Your belief about marriage, your belief about love and respect and the relationship of marriage and relationship of friendships, all those things really are birthed, are birthed out of your natural family. You grow up with a set of values, with a set of beliefs. This is marriage matters or maybe marriage doesn't. Marriage is important or maybe marriage isn't important. And not just relationships between husband and wife, but you also grow up. Just think about the culture today. Think about the, the gay and the lesbian agenda that's being driven today. Think about the gender identity challenges that are being driven today. All of those things are values and beliefs that were birthed in family. And here's what I know to be true. Most of those families probably would say, I never taught my kid that. But you know what? They did teach them that life doesn't have value. And that relationships are optional. And all of a sudden we create, we create this, this, this idea where everybody gets to define. How many know you don't actually get to define relationships? God does. <laughs> the creator of life gets to define life. Everybody else gets to choose to play by his rules or rebel against his rules, but God is the only one that has the final authority. One of the things in the area of relationships has nothing to do with marriage, but when our kids were teenagers, this was something Kelly really drove home. When our kids were teenagers and one of their friends, they got on up to go be invited and go do things. And when one of their friends invited them to do something, and then another friend invited them to do something better, we said, no, you got to go with where your commitment was. <laughs> you can't sacrifice your first friend because your second friend gave you a better offer. Because guess what? Those teenagers are going to grow up and be adults one day. And in the context of marriage, what happens if my current partner isn't as promising as the future partner? Then maybe I ought to just cut it off, find something new, because there's a better offer over here. You see how values work? You see how we create belief systems? You see how we, we instill into our families the values that shape and define their lives? Look at that next screen. A couple more things I want to give you. Honesty and integrity are, are some of the things that we learn in our family. Honesty and integrity. We tell the truth. I, I can look at my kids today, and I can, uh, Samantha's right back there, and I can honestly say, I've never lied to you. I've never lied to my kids. I can look at my kids with, in the face with 100% confidence and say, I've never lied 
to you. And let me just tell you something. That's powerful because what that does is that instills a value of integrity and honesty. And when we are in, when we are in challenging moments, and when they were teenagers, we had some challenging moments, I would play that card. Baby, you know I've never lied to you. And what I'm telling you right now is the truth. And they still may not have agreed with me. And they still may not have done what I want them to do. But they knew that it was true. See, all of a sudden, every day of our lives, we're creating a value system. And a belief system that says honesty and integrity is important. It's paramount to how we live our lives. See, if you grow up in a home where, because right now we have a culture where everybody tells the truth unless it's more beneficial to lie. And it's okay to lie if it'll keep you from losing money. And it's okay to lie if it'll help you get a better job. And it's okay to lie if it'll benefit you and keep you out of trouble. And what we have done is we have created, we have created a value system that honors deceit and deception over honesty and integrity. And it's powerful. Now the good news, remember guys, the good news is we get to be the cultural engineers of our family. We've all missed it. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. Today's a brand new day. And today, you get to be the cultural engineer. Don't throw your hands up and say, well, I've already blown it and messed up. No, no. Today is the day. Today is the day that the Lord has made. And this is your moment. This is your hour. This is your day to begin to reestablish the foundations. If the foundations are destroyed, what are we going to do? We're going to reestablish the right foundations because it matters. Think about money management or work ethic. Let me don't want to skip that one. Papa Larry. I, I, Papa Larry, my dad, he's, he's the hardest working man I know. And I, when I was a teenager, I hated going to work with him because he worked you like a mule. I mean, he worked you hard. I am so thankful now that I grew up in a home with a work ethic. I grew up in a home where I was taught, modeled, and drugged into an ethic of hard work. I am so thankful for that today. We have an entire culture of young people, a whole generation of young people that have never seen mom or dad get up and go to work every day. And I talked to some of these young guys. And they're like 16, 17 years old. And you're like, well, what are you going to do when you grow up? Well, I'm going to get a check. <laughs> what? I'm going to get a check. What do you mean going to get a check? Yeah, mama gets a check, daddy gets a check, grandma gets a check, papa gets a check. I'm going to get a check. Let me, let me tell you what that get a check mentality does. It has created overwhelming poverty. Overwhelming poverty in our nation. You look at anybody that, quote, gets a check... They're struggling. They are struggling. Poverty, lack, is a normal part of their daily lives. And much of it comes because they never saw the value of getting up every day and going to work. And even in the church, it slips into the church sometimes because even in the church every now and then I'll hear somebody say, well, you know, work is the curse from sin. No, back up and read the Bible. God established work before there was sin. Why? Because work is not a curse. It is a gift from God that allows you to use your gifts and your talents to make a difference in our world. Amen? 
So these are values that we learn. Let's talk about money management, financial prosperity. This is one value I did not get in my natural family. My mom and dad were hard-working people who believed in working hard and they believed in paying their bills, but they did not know how to manage money. And financial prosperity was never even on the radar. It was just live from paycheck to paycheck, believe God for more, work hard, do the right thing. They were amazing, godly people, but they did not know anything about money management. And guess what? I grew up with a poverty mentality, even though I saw hard work and paying the bills exemplified on a daily basis. There was no such thing as money management nor financial prosperity in our home. And I had to learn that. Praise God for the church. Praise God for godly men. Praise God for individuals that spoke into our lives. Praise God that, that we, we learned the hard way, so to speak. But praise God we were able to learn because we're not just a part of a natural family. We got a spiritual family that partnered with us and helped us to learn and grow and become. Praise God for books and CDs back in the day and podcasts and YouTube videos and all these things. Why? Because I learned, we learned, Kelly and I learned that we've got to manage our money. Why? Because if you don't tell it where to go, it just goes. <laughs> and we also learn we want to prosper financially. Why? Because God can do more with you and through you if you have something than when you have nothing. If you're broke, busted, and disgusted, it's hard to help somebody. If you don't have an extra dollar in your pocket, how are you going to be a blessing to your neighbor or the person down the road? And the realization is we had to learn that. And let me tell you some amazing good news. Praise God we learned it while our kids were still young enough to benefit from it because we look at our kids now, they're in their 20s. And where they are financially in their 20s is where we are now in our 40s. It's amazing. I mean, Kelly and I, we, we admire our kids' financial ethics and business practices and the vision that they have in how they manage and do their money. It is such a blessing. But those are things that I didn't learn from my natural family. Education and career. Think about this. Educators. I had a couple of teachers. I think I got a couple of teachers in here today too. Every educator will bear witness to this as being true. The difference between the child that excels and the child that struggles is their family life. If mom and dad, if the family, it doesn't have to be mom and dad, it can be grandma and grandpa, it can be whoever. If that family environment values education, then that child will do better than they would have any other way. If that family environment does not value education, then that child will suffer. Because guess what? It doesn't matter if a family values education or doesn't value education. Every child has some struggles and challenges away. I know there are some exceptional children. I wasn't one of those, right? But there are some exceptional children that just breeze through everything. But here's the realization. When a child struggles, that's a part of a family that believes in education, then that family will support that child. That family will tutor that child. That family will help that child press through that challenging time and come out on the other side. And the reason education is so important is because we recognize something, right? We recognize that education is key to a career because you don't want to just grow up and get a job. You need a career. And let me give you some insight right here. This is an awesome. Let me give you a word lesson today. You don't want an occupation. You want a vocation. The word occupation means to occupy space. We got way too many people occupying a space. 
just so they can get a paycheck. Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you have to do that on the way to this other place. But the word vocation means a calling. So you want to operate. You want, you want a career in your vocation. You want a career where you can operate in the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you. You don't want to squander your greatest ability on a hobby when you could use your greatest ability for a vocation that could actually provide for your family and help you prosper and succeed and do the thing God has called you to do. Now let's just be honest, most of the time you have to have an occupation to sustain you, usually while you're getting an education to equip you to walk in your vocation. And the value of education and career many times is rooted in our families. That's where that value comes from. Last one on the screen here. We're going to move on. Y'all still with me? Y'all going to have to listen fast. I got a whole lot left. I threw this one up there just kind of for fun. Cleanliness and order. John Wesley, can you say cleanliness? I mean, John Wesley is so clean. Samantha, we love you, baby. She's clean. I'm just picking on her. But John Wesley's really clean. Cleanliness, just think about that. Just think about that value of just, of just being clean, of making your bed, of washing your clothes, of keeping your room, of keeping your car. You know where those things come from? They come from your family. See, I, I, when I grew up, I, I see people sometimes, and, and they, uh, they, every Saturday, right, you know these people, every Saturday they wash the car, they vacuum the car, they clean the car out. You know any of those people like that? Man, I admire those people. I was not raised that way, and I have to make myself go wash the car. It's clean, but I don't wash it every Saturday. But I see some of those people every Saturday, man, they're washing the car, they're waxing the car, they're vacuuming the car. I'm like, man, that is awesome. You know what? They probably grew up doing that. They probably grew up in a family where that's what we did on Saturday morning. Everybody got it, we cleaned the house, or we cleaned the car. We cleaned the house on Saturday around our house. And so all of a sudden, you recognize these things are just values. Order. Let me tell you something. Cleanliness and order, they're a little bit different. I didn't learn order. I learned cleanliness when I was growing up. We had a clean house, and I had to keep my room clean. But, but I didn't learn order. And I learned order as an adult, and I recognized that order precedes multiplication. And that if I don't have order, God can't bless my mess because he doesn't want to multiply my chaos. Right? God can't bless my mess because he doesn't want to multiply my chaos. So God uses order. I have to bring order. And order is work. Brother Curtis will tell you, it's hard to be orderly. It requires effort. It requires energy. It requires own person, purpose, discipline. But order is the prerequisite for God to multiply your life and give you more. And I had to learn that, not in my natural family. I learned that through my spiritual family. Because God is a God of order. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right. We're going to jump right on down. We're going to skip some scriptures. Y'all go home and read all those scriptures, okay? So let's talk about our spiritual family. In our spiritual family, we also learn to value and devalue certain things. Now, you don't have a choice about your natural family, but you get to choose your spiritual family. That's a blessing, right? And let me tell you why where you go to church matters. Where you go to church matters because your church family helps to define some values in your life. What you believe about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit many times is really birthed and established through your local church family. 
It's that spiritual family that you gather around that helps to cultivate the value of, do you value God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Do you value the Trinity? Do you recognize that they're three in one, but yet they're all unique and different in their function and how they relate to us? And one of the things that I hear a lot from people at Liberty Church, I'll kind of ask people, man, what's God done for you here? What would you say has been your greatest takeaway from being a part of Liberty Church? And a lot of times I'll hear people say, well, was it Liberty Church that I got introduced to the Holy Spirit? It was at Liberty Church that I learned that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is, the, is a person, not a it, not a thing. And that I can have a relationship with God through the Spirit because of the Son and know the Father because of what God has done. And it's that intimate relationship with the Spirit. You learn that. It grieves my heart that I meet so many Christians, loving Jesus, saved, going to heaven Christians, that have no idea about the availability and the intimacy that is available to them through the person of the Holy Spirit. It grieves my heart when I meet people that are living many times powerless against the struggle of the enemy because they're not embracing the power of God through the person of the Holy Spirit to overcome. So we need, we need, we learn those values, right? We learn those values through our spiritual family. We learn about the Word of God. We value the Word. That God's Word is life. That God exalted His Word, the Bible says, even above His name. That God's Word is a hammer that splinters rocks. That God's Word is like a sharp two-edged sword that divides soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That God's Word gives life. It gives healing. It gives health. That He sent His Word and He healed them and He delivered them. From all their oppression. We learn the value of the word. It's not a textbook. It's not a history book. It is a living, breathing book. Breathed by the Spirit of God that still speaks and still works. And still moves in our lives today. And it's in our spiritual family that we learn to value the word of God. We learn to value prayer. Right, just this morning, just, just our four corners of prayer. We recognize prayer matters. Prayer is important. Prayer changes things. We learn the value of prayer. Our 21 days of prayer and fasting as we kickstart every year, we learn the value of that. We learn the value that it matters. I'll never forget, I can't tell you how many people come to Liberty Church the first time they're here in January. They're like, y'all do a 21-day what? You're not going to eat? Well, we might eat something, but maybe not everything. Because all of a sudden, it's in the spiritual family that you begin to learn the value of those things that change and alter our lives. In the spiritual family, we learn about worship. Let me, let me just be honest with you. Worship is, worship, hands down as a pastor, worship is the most controversial thing in the local church. I, I literally know a pastor. He had a church of over 1,000 people. He literally cleaned out his entire worship team and started doing videos on Sunday morning. He said, I was so tired of the drama it was too loud. It wasn't loud enough. I don't like this song. I don't like that singer. I don't like how she's dressed. I don't like how he looks. He said, I just cleaned them out. Let me tell you something. We're not going to do that, praise God. Let me tell you two reasons why. Number one, because each of these people that are up here on this stage are just like you. They have a gift and a talent that they need to use for the glory of God. And we need to create a place for them to do what God has called them to do. Number two, worship is not about a song, it's not about a singer, and it's not about a style. It is about the posture of your heart. We value worship because they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and truth. We value worship because worship, think about it, is the only thing we give God on Sunday. Right now, you're receiving. But in worship, guess what? God's receiving. 
I heard a pastor make this statement. He was a pastor of a very big church. He had somebody come up to him one Sunday. He said, Pastor, I just want you to know I did not enjoy worship today. He said, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. So whether it's loud or not loud, whether it's my style or not my song, maybe it's my song or not my song, I can worship God. I value worship. I'm just going to tell you, our elders and our leaders have heard us press through this. They've seen us fight through the challenges with sound and issues and all these crazy things that you hear all the time. But here's the good news of the gospel. We value worship because worship is what invites the presence of God. God inhabits the praises of His people. Worship creates an atmosphere where the Spirit of God can heal your hamstring. Come on, somebody. And make you whole again. It's through worship that that happens. And if you ever get discouraged about worship, remember we're not worshiping you. So set your heart back to the Lord and recognize that worship is about honoring Him and worshiping Him and celebrating Him because He is worthy. Look at that next screen. I want to do just a couple more things and we're going to move on. We learn about evangelism. We learn to value evangelism. We learn to believe. It grieves my heart when I talk to Christians that have no burden for souls. They act like it's the pastor's job to reach all the lost people. If I could reach them, I'll just tell you I would. <laughs> but I can't. But we can. And it grieves my heart when I meet people that have no burden for souls, that have no desire to see people come to know Christ. They act like it's somebody else's responsibility. Let me just say, how dare we? How dare we receive the greatest gift that any man or woman could ever receive and then keep that to ourselves and not share the hope of the gospel with other people. See, it's in the local church that we learn to value souls. It's in the local church that we recognize that evangelism is something that should be a part of our lives. It's not an event. It's a way that we live our lives. To go, as we go, let's make disciples. As we go, let's share the gospel. Discipleship. Liberty Church, I hope you know this. We value discipleship. We believe that we are supposed to not just, not just reach people, but we are supposed to disciple people, equip people, empower people. Our connection track, our grow track, Today you need to sign up. If you've not done Grow One and went through an encounter, today is the day. Our first class starts next Sunday. Kelly and I are going to be leading the class. We're super excited. It's going to be awesome. But you know why we do Grow? Not because we don't have anything else to do and we're trying to fill a time slot. We do grow because we believe that every person needs to be discipled in the faith. It is our responsibility to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that we can build up the church, the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 4. You can go home and read it. That's what God's called us to do. And we believe in discipleship. And it grieves me when I see churches and Christians that have no idea that they ought to be growing and maturing in the faith. Just showing up and paying up, giving your tithes is not what God all expects of you. You need to be growing and becoming so you can make a difference in somebody else's life. Ministry. You're called to ministry. See, we value ministry. We believe, listen to me, if you are saved, you're a part of the body of Christ. So every member of the body has a ministry in the body. Every member of the body has a ministry in the body. Not everybody's on the stage, not everybody's in the sound booth, not everybody's running the camera, not everybody's working with kids. 
But everybody has a ministry because you're a part of the body. It's not the pastor's job. It is our job as believers to do the work of the ministry. We value that. People. And I put up there, believers and non-believers. Because we also learn to value people through the local churches, through our spiritual family, that we value people. It grieves me when I hear Christians look at non-Christians and say, well, to hell with them. Because it happens. We used to all take all those people, put them on an island and blow it up. I hear people say it, Christians. Grieves my heart. Grieves my heart. Why? Because we forget that Jesus came for the sick and not the well. That you're just as sick, just as jacked up, just as messed up as they are. And but for the grace of God, that would be you. And so it's in the church that we learn to value people. That we learn to make room for people. That we recognize that saved people and lost people, born again people and not born again people, all need Jesus. Come on, somebody. And that we value people, not for how they compliment us, but for the fact that they were created to be an image bearer of God. Look at this last point. Family matters because our identity and our values are forged in the fire of family. We have to fight for and guard our families against the schemes of the enemies. I put serpents in parentheses. If you hadn't heard our donkeys and serpents message, you need to go listen to it. We have to guard our families against the scheme of them. We have to guard our families. We have to fight for our families. Why? Listen to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to close with this scripture. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last day, there will be very difficult times. So listen to how he describes the difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride. And they will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Now look what he says. Stay away from people like that. He's not saying reach them. He's just saying don't be influenced by them. Now look what he says in the next verse. They are the kind of people who work their way into people's homes. The word literally also interprets families. Be on guard. Be alert. Be aware. Why? Because there are some people out there that have values and beliefs that are full of pride, envy, jealousy, selfishness, immorality, perversion, hate, lust, jealousy, fear. And they try to work their way into your family. Let me give one final word here for any of you singles. If you're here today and you're single, maybe you're 13 and you're single. I hope you are if you're 13. Maybe you're 30 and you're single. Maybe you're watching online. I, I don't know, but this is what I know. If you're single, values matter more than feelings. 
The scripture says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. God told the children of Israel, do not, to, do not intermarry with other nationalities. He says, least they turn your heart away from me. Those scriptures are in your outline, by the way. Let me give you a word for all of you singles. Those people are looking to work their way into your family. And the most important decision you're going to make apart from accepting Christ is who do you marry? That's the most important decision you're going to make apart from accepting Christ. Who do you marry? And I want to just tell you something. It's easy to get caught up in the feelings and forget that there are some real values that matter. Values matter more than feelings. And if they don't value the things of God, guess what? They won't value you. Let's just bow our heads today. I want to do two challenges today. The first challenge is simply this. I want to challenge you if you're here like me and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith? Maybe there's some areas in my life, in my natural life, maybe in my spiritual life. Maybe today I just need to step up my game a little bit. I need to be on guard. I need to be more on purpose about making sure I'm establishing and teaching and modeling the values that I want to create in my home. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, today I, I want to I make a fresh commitment to the Lord that I'm going to raise the bar. I'm not going to do it perfectly because none of us do it perfectly, but I'm going to purposely begin to raise the bar of our values in our home. And I want to be a cultural engineer that makes a shift for good in our society. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. I'm just going to make a fresh commitment today. Hands are going up all over the building today. I'm raising my hand. I want to raise the bar this morning. I want to raise the bar on the values and the beliefs that we're cultivating in our family. Father, you see every hand right now. If you're watching online, you can just hit that little hand emoji. You can say, Pastor Keith, in that chat box, I'm raising my hand. I want to raise the bar. Father, today we commit to raise the bar. Lord, we want, to, we want our family values to reflect your family values. We want the values of Christ to be the values of our home and our life. Lord, today we commit to you. God, we ask you to give us grace and strength to raise the bar of values in our family. And you can put your hands down. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just another moment. Maybe you're watching today and you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm not a part of the spiritual family. I've never been saved. I've never really accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're a good person. Maybe you're a moral person, but you know you're not a saved person. If you're watching online or if you're here in the room today, if that's you and you say, today's my day, I want to accept Christ, I want you just to raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith. Again, online, just hit that little hand emoji. If you're here in person, just slip your hand up. Today, I want to become a part of God's spiritual family. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. We're going to pray this prayer. We're about to dismiss. Let's pray it together. All of us out loud, let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I confess Jesus as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. When you pick your kids up from children's ministry, make sure to tell them thank you for enduring my long-winded preaching today.
Encourage our children's workers. Let them know how much you love them and appreciate them. God bless you. Band of Brothers, Grow Class, Merge Conference. You can sign up for all of them in the foyer. Don't leave today without registering. God bless you. We love you guys.